When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Who you got this week, man? Because this is a showdown kind of Saturday, a fakes get exposed kind of Saturday. We find out a lot in week four of the college football season. So I go back to that earlier question. Who you got? You taking Florida State Clemson? You got Ole Miss going to Alabama and winning in Bryant Denny Stadium? What would that mean for the Saban era? What would that mean for Nick Saban in the tie? Colorado, they go to Oregon. Coach Prime and company, they're undefeated. Three touchdown dogs in Autzen. We're about to learn a lot on this college football Saturday. We're about to give you our predictions right now. It is probably the biggest prediction Tuesday we've had for sure this season, maybe ever on this show, the hard count. So if you're new here, welcome into the hard count. This is the People's College Football Show. It is Tuesday, September 19th, 2023. This is the very last one in history. So you and I right now, we're about to make it a movie by talking just college football for the next hour or so, kick them up. We're glad to have you here. So much to get into. Like I said, we're giving you our pick for Ole Miss at Bama, giving you our pick for Colorado at Oregon, giving you our pick for a game I haven't even talked about yet. The biggest on the slate, a top 10 matchup, Ohio State going to South Bend, Indiana, playing in front of the Notre Dame faithful, playing under touchdown Jesus, Sam Hartman and company. He's grown out that flow. He's got a good-looking beard. The Golden Domers are got a shiny polish on the, the lid this weekend, I would imagine. Going to be a huge, huge matchup in South Bend, Indiana. Who you got in that game? Well, we'll give you our prediction. So fired up to have you here. Like I said, we do this show three times a week. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern, right here at this exact time, live in living color. But you can find content from us really all week long, all year long. It's college football and only college football. So we're glad to have you a part of this. Quick note off the top of the show, Mel Tucker does not sound like he will be the head coach at Michigan State much longer. You saw this coming. We saw this coming. And I don't want to do a too deep of a dive into this job right now and who could potentially get it and all that. Like there's still some things that have to sort themselves out. But the first name that came to the top of my mind when that job more or less became, I'll put in quotations, available. I would imagine Mike Elko, the head coach at Duke, is probably going to get at least one or two calls from an East Lansing area code. I would imagine they probably call him more than a couple of times. So he's the name that I'm watching, and that whole search will uh, unpack it as it becomes more and more evident. Again, glad to have you here. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Like the video if you haven't already. We're about to jump right into it. Like I said, we cannot waste too much more time. Week four, Prediction Tuesday. Let's get after it. So glad to have you here. We're going to dominate this Tuesday. We're starting right now with some predictions. So, a little announcement for you, top of the show. We got Florida State going to Clemson, South Carolina. It is a noon kick on ABC in Death Valley. This game lost a little bit of shine because Clemson dropped that one on Monday night to Duke. So not a battle of the unbeatens. Instead, this is Florida State's chance to really make a statement that they are at the top of the ACC. But yours truly will actually be in Clemson, South Carolina for this game. So the program 
taking the show on the road, going to be in Clemson, South Carolina, going to be in Death Valley for this game. I cannot wait to meet a lot of y'all that watched the show there, both from the Florida State side of things and the Clemson side of things. Haven't tweeted this out, hadn't let anybody know on social media. If you're watching the show live right now, you are the first to know we will be at this game, and I am so fired up for it. Going to be a phenomenal one. Like I was talking about a second ago, for Florida State now, this is the year for them. Make no mistake about it. This is what they have built to under Mike Norvell. This is why you go to the portal and get a Keon Coleman and get a Jaheim Bell. This is why a lot of these individuals like Jared Verse and Jordan Travis came back for another season on top of improving their draft stock. For a game like this, you want to beat the best? You want to get the crown? You got to go beat the king. You got to go dethrone the leader in the ACC, and that's Clemson. So this is their chance now to go to Death Valley and do it. This is their chance. Now for Clemson, they want to prove they're still the big dog. And you want to prove that you're still the big dog? Well, this, this, is, your, this is your shot. This is your chance against the trending up right now Florida State Seminoles. A lot of talk around Dabo Sweeney and his way of doing things. And look, I'll be honest, we've taken our, our fair share in that kind of conversation around them going to the portal and how they do things. But this is sort of a clash of philosophies in my mind between Mike Norvell and Dabo Sweeney. Mike Norvell utilized the portal and more power to him because he had to fix his roster. Dabo Sweeney has said, thanks, but no thanks. We're going to do things our way. We'll keep this thing rolling. If Clemson were to win this football game, I think it would be just a tremendous feather in the cap for Dabo Sweeney and a tremendous talking point for him going forward that, well, we, we need to go to the portal. We need to do this. We need to do that. Well, Florida State went to the portal heavily, and we just beat them. That would be the thing that Dabo Sweeney could say should they end up victorious in Death Valley when the dust settles on Saturday afternoon. Florida State is a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. So what are the matchups that we got to watch for this one? Well, the first one I think we're all watching, the enormous matchup between the Florida State pass catchers and the Clemson secondary. Because for, for Florida State now, this could be the game breaker. Like it kind of reminds me a little bit from a style standpoint of what Florida State has to offer versus that game against LSU. And like this could just be it for, for, for Florida State. This could be the situation where you walk in there Keon Coleman gets his, Johnny Wilson gets his, and they get it in spades, and it's just, hey, game blouses. Like, that's great that you have X, Y, and Z players. If you're Clemson, that's great. You have a great front seven. But the bottom line is it didn't matter because we routinely won this matchup. The pass catchers for us were the difference. I haven't even talked about Jaheim Bell, the Swiss Army knife that they've utilized at Florida State so far, the transfer from South Carolina. Is that just the game breaker for them? Is that the end-all, be-all, the ace up the sleeve? We'll see. The reason why this matchup is, I think, a little bit more intriguing in this spot, Clemson actually has some pretty good length in the secondary. Nate Wiggins is all like 6'2". I don't think they have anybody in that secondary starting for them that's under six foot. So we talk a lot about the length of Florida State and how tall Johnny Wilson is and Keon Coleman and his wingspan, but like Clemson now is going to have, on paper at least, the physical potential to match up better than anybody else that Florida State has seen to this point. Now, a subplot within this is Jordan Travis and his health. Is he playing at like 80%? Is he playing at 90%? Is he playing at 70%? I think that will impact this game tremendously. You hope for Florida State's sake that he's able to be closer to that 90% number because there's going to be a couple of instances in this game 
where the, the play will break down as it does in every college football game, and Jordan Travis is going to have to scramble. And the way, that he, uh, the, the way that he's able to be a threat running the football in this game, if those linebackers at Clemson, they got some good ones now, we'll talk about them, Barrett Carter and Jeremiah Trotter, if they feel threatened by Jordan Travis having to tuck it and run, well, then they play up, occupy some space behind them, and that's an intermediate throw to Keon Coleman, to Jaheim Bell, to whoever you want to insert into that space right there. And that's a big first down for Florida State. So scenarios like that are something we have to watch in this football game, and a lot of it will be predicated on how much of a threat Jordan Travis is, which of course goes back to how healthy is he in this football game. Now, the matchup for Clemson in my mind, and we talked to Ira Schofel of Warchant.com yesterday on the On3 Roundtable YouTube channel. The matchup is Clemson's running back room, Will Shipley, friend of the program, Phil Maffa, first team all downhill against this Florida State defensive line. Because the way that Garrett Riley wants to run this Clemson offense, and we haven't seen it too, too much just yet, they want to operate within a rhythm. They want to kind of snowball. And when I say snowball, you and I both understand this. A lot of y'all that have lived in the Northeast or maybe just anywhere where you get snow, for our West Coast listeners, just take our word on this. Anytime you make a snowball, there's that, that annoying part of the game where you have to kind of start with a, a small little couple of snowflakes packed together and you get it rolling. And that, that first couple of steps where you have to roll that snowball and get snow to pack onto it, like that's the annoying part, that's the tedious part, that's the Clemson run game in this whole thing. That is the Clemson run game for the snowball effect of this offense. So for them, can they get four yards of carry early? Can Will Shipley take a couple defenders with him and pick up five yards on first down, set up second and five? Because eventually, one, you start to wear on a defense if you're Clemson, and that four-yard gain turns into six, turns into seven later and later into the game. And then also what it does, as that snowball gets bigger, it carries momentum. It starts to roll on its own. That Clemson run game, as it wears down and picks up more yardage, that Florida State defense now, they get off balance. That snowball's rolling, and Clemson's going quickly. They get to play with tempo now if they start picking up some solid yards per carry numbers. And then the entire game starts to open up because those safeties have to creep down. Those linebackers trigger more quickly. More guys get open. We talk about it a lot on this show. We have our reservations about the Clemson skill players. But if you're going to give me more real estate to work with and Antonio Williams gets a head start on your safety, well, then we have more real estate to throw to. Then the offense really starts snowballing and we get to have those manufactured explosives we've talked about with Garrett Riley's offense. We haven't seen it just yet. The last time a lot of y'all watched Duke, a lot of time uh, uh, nationally we got to see Duke against a solid opponent was Monday night against, or I said Duke, against Clemson in that Duke game. That was the last time a lot of us saw them nationally. That wasn't the offense we'd come to expect from Garrett Riley from his TCU days. Did they find a rhythm? Did they get to take those small bites that turn into big bites later in the game? Because they will have to create some offensive output in this game. I wholeheartedly believe that. Jordan Travis and company will force them to score points. Now, going back to the other side of that matchup, for Florida State on the defensive line, if they can get some early stonewallage and create a, let's say, third and seven, third and eight, you get a good stop for a gain of two or three on first down, force an incompletion on second down, well, then those boys get to rush the passer. I'll tell you what, Clemson right now, from a skill position standpoint, is too one-dimensional for me to feel good about them separating anything short of like two Mississippis, Jared Verse will eat and he will eat greedy. 
the rest of this defensive line, some real athleticism coming off the edge. They will eat greedy. All right, there's a lot of depth, a lot of ability. They will get after Cade Klubnik. This offensive line for Clemson, now we've got our reservations a little bit, so they have to be able to get some snowball effect early. Got to pack that snow early in the run game and be able to manufacture explosives. Otherwise, could be a very, very long day at the office for Cade Klubnik and company. If they're off schedule and out of rhythm, bad things are going to happen. A lot of that starts with the Florida State defensive line. Now, here's going to be, I think, maybe the, uh, the moment of truth in this football game. We've talked about Florida State a lot and how this is what they've built to this year, and they have aspirations to win the ACC and to dethrone Clemson. There's going to be a point in this football game where they will have to prove that they are the more physical football team. I'm not talking about a box score. I'm not talking about yards per carry. I'm not talking about overall, you know, sacks acquired. I'm talking about when it's fourth and one and Clemson is trying to extend the drive to stay alive. Can you bow up and have a statement kind of play that, no, 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 no. This is our thing now. We're in Death Valley. We are the more physical football team, both literally and from an approach standpoint, and get that stop and fourth and one. Or on the flip side, if you're Clemson, you're going to have to prove that, no, 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 we are still the big cat. We are still that big dog in this conference. We, we are going to find a way to pick this up on fourth and one. We did not see that against Duke now if we're Clemson. Do they find a way to muster a little bit of extra pride, being in Death Valley? The game probably, if you had beaten Duke, is maybe a night game at this point. But it's not, so there's a little bit less shine on you right now. Can you demand that shine back with having the more physical approach in this football game? And again, I'm talking about a moment-to-moment kind of thing. Fourth quarter, game's on the line, because I think it will be close. I think that two-and-a-half-point spread is right about accurate if you're watching this one. Can you be the more physical football team when it matters the most in that moment of truth? I think that will kind of define where things stand in this football game. So at the end of the day, though, I think Florida State answers the call. From a Clemson side of things, man, I still need to see it. I still have that need-to-see-it kind of feel from them. I think Cade Klubnik is extremely talented. You know how I feel about Will Shipley on this show. This defensive front for Clemson, if they're able to kind of take away some of those pass catchers from Florida State and force it back to the front seven kind of game, then they have a shot. Then Peter Woods gets to play. Then Barrett Carter gets to play. Then Jeremiah Trotter gets to play but I worry about them matching up with the explosiveness of Florida State. And I worry about Clemson being able to answer scores. I think that Boston College game for Florida State, that letdown, as much as it probably sucked to watch the next day in Sunday film, I think it was exactly what the doctor ordered heading into this game. Florida State will have all their attention on Clemson. There will be no letdown kind of look here from Florida State. So for that reason, I think it's a battle. I think Clemson shows why they have been the team they have under Dabo Sweeney over the past couple of years. But I think Florida State answers the call, like I was saying, and winning this football game in Death Valley. Final score, Florida State 31, Clemson 25. So we think Florida State wins. We think Florida State covers. That's going to be a heck of a ball game, man. I cannot wait to be there for that one. Going to be a blast going to be a blast to be there for that one and looking forward to seeing all y'all both from the Florida State and the Clemson side of things out there going to be an electric atmosphere fired up to be there fired up to see y'all there now we uh we do this here every single week on the hard count but we I want to recap what happened here this past weekend for us 
The hard count is brought to you by the good people at Prize Picks. If you don't know what Prize Picks is, Prize Picks, fast, easy, safe way to play daily fantasy and to make some money on the sport that we love watching, to be real with you. So different projections for different players. You put different squares together, power play or a flex play, and you roll from there. All right, so your redeem code JD, you will get 100% deposit match up to 100 bucks. You put in 50 bucks, prize picks, they match you with 50 bucks as long as you redeem code JD. So this past weekend, if you were following us here on this very show, had a couple of projections we're so close. The game gives, the game takes. Jimmy Horn, we had him for less than 84 and a half receiving yards. No problem. Got it. We knew there'd be a lot of mouths to feed. Ended up being right around 66 yards was Jimmy Horn. Travis Hunter, we had him for at least one touchdown on the day. We had him on the more there for 0.5 touchdowns. Travis Hunter, unfortunately, was not in this game for the majority of the second half. Didn't get that one. Graham Mertz, we thought he'd throw a pick. He did not. Jaden Daniels got not one, but two rushing touchdowns to get the more there on the .5. Shooter Sanders, no problem. 341 and a half yards. More there. That hit. Dylan Edwards, this is the heartbreaker here. Because how this works, this is a flex play. So if Dylan Edwards were to have more than 40, or excuse me, more than 59 and a half rushing yards, it would have made some money here. Dylan Edwards going into overtime was over 62, I believe it was, rushing yards. That was how many he had. So the more at that point was hitting. However, TFL goes down to below 59 and a half rushing yards, finished the game with 57. That hurts. That hurts right here in the heart. Even though it hurts, circle the wagons, we ride again, we'll give you our prize picks this coming Thursday, and you have my word here. Just now, this is just us talking. You have my word. We will give you some winners. We will win together. We will take back what's ours. All right. So thank you to Prize Picks for allowing us to do that again. Redeem code JD. 100% deposit match, up to $100. Prize Picks for the people by the people, bringing you the hard counts. We appreciate them enormously. Appreciate everybody dialed in, man. Prediction Tuesday. We need everybody here. We got a lot of y'all here. Make sure you like the video. Make sure you're subscribed. We're going to get to y'all in the live chat here in just a few minutes. I want to hear your picks on these games, all right? Let me know. You picking Florida State over Clemson? You picking Clemson over Florida State and saying, J.D., you're just straight up wrong. Sorry about it. It's the way it works. Clemson's getting it done at home. Would love to hear your reasoning. Would love to hear from y'all in the live chat. So get at me on there. Now, the next game we got to talk about. Colorado. Coach Prime and company, no Travis Hunter which you hate for this game for a number of reasons, going to Oregon, Autzen Stadium. Oregon is favored by 21 points, 3.30 Eastern on ABC. Now, th there is, I think, a great amount for Colorado that will be personal in this game, not only because Dan Lanning, when Colorado was moving to the Big 12, said, well, what have they really won in this conference? And then Oregon, of course, left for the Big 10. So it's kind of just a weird situation as a whole. I promise you, Deion Sanders will take that, even though it wasn't a shot at Colorado, even though it wasn't a shot at his team or Coach Prime or anything, it pales in comparison to what Jay Norvell said. Even though it's not a direct shot at him, they will find a way to take that, package it up, channel it, fuel it, and make it a thing in this game. I promise you. They will have that edge. They will have that chip on their shoulder. And for Colorado now, this is their chance. This is their chance to, I think, further legitimize who they are. 
two things can be true. You can be extremely impressed with Colorado and what they've done so far and still say, uh, I need to see it against higher level competition. I need to see it against an Oregon. I need to see it against the USC. Well, in this game, they got Oregon. But if they are going to beat a team like Oregon, if we finish this game, triple zeros and Colorado wins this football game, another three touchdown spread just dismantled by Coach Prime and company, there's no more belief talk. There's no more do you believe, do you not believe. Like at this point, seeing is believing. And for us to see Colorado beat a team like Oregon, that would be all the belief in the world that I think anybody needs. Really quickly, make sure you're subscribed right here. College football, only college football. This show, The Hard Count Live. Not once, not twice, but three times a week. Prediction Tuesday, big time Wednesday, giving you our top 10 teams. On Thursdays, give you our final thoughts for all the big time matchups. We want you dialed in right here. It's college football season. We celebrate it on here. There's no half-stepping, no agendas, no additives. We talk about it a lot. No high fructose corn syrup into this show. Just ball, only ball. You love this sport. We love this sport. Fall Saturdays are what this whole thing revolves around. But we talk ball every day. Make sure you're subscribed. You can also follow me on Instagram and on Twitter, at JD Pakel. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me what you agree with. We want to incorporate y'all into this show as much as possible. So we appreciate y'all in advance for being dialed in. For Oregon, this is their chance to prove that they are who we think they are right? Because they're, they're three touchdown favorites in this game. It's at home. A lot of talk about Bo Nix and you see the bodacious Nike campaign going on. And that's just genius. If you ask me, all eyes are on them in this one. All the pressure is on them to make a statement and to prove just what I said, that they are who we think they are. If Oregon's going to be a team that goes and plays for the college football playoff and wins the Pac-12, it starts with doing what we expect them to do against a team like Colorado. And when I say we, I mean the public as it pertains to Oregon being favored by three touchdowns. Now, can they win this game, period, is what we're going to talk about right now. And the early pace for this one is extremely important. It is paramount for Colorado to start fast in this football game. Colorado, the, the, the skill on the outside for them is the matchup you have to watch against this Oregon secondary. This Oregon secondary, eh, a little bit suspect. Good, not great. Didn't look elite against Texas Tech. Texas Tech hung up a fair amount of passing yards against them. I know it was in Lubbock. I'm not worried about that. I'm just saying, if you're Colorado, that is your matchup. You like every single game, but especially in this game, you have got to have it. Have got to have it. You got to make it a track meet. You're top five in the country in terms of passes attempted per a game for a reason because you got Shadour Sanders, but the playmakers on the outside with no Travis Hunter, you got to have a guy like Jimmy Horn step up. Xavier Weaver, Xavier Weaver has been a problem all year long for Colorado, a mismatch nightmare for teams. He's got to step up. This has to be the way that they get down early. I want to see Colorado go up 14-0 first quarter because what that does then, Oregon and, and their line of scrimmage edge that they have, that starts to deteriorate because Colorado's not going to be a team that tries to pound the rock early in this one. They'll get it to Dylan Edwards in space, the running back, and they'll let him work a little bit. But it's not going to be a thing where they say, okay, our big guys versus your big guys. Colorado's got some self-awareness here. They know their bread and butter is on the outside. They know they got one of the best quarterbacks in the country. They're going to swing for the fence early and try and get Oregon off balance. Now, if Oregon is able to minimize that, if Oregon's able to kind of put a lid on that pass game for Colorado and cause them to have a figure-it-out period early in this game, well, the momentum shifts back to Oregon and it plays into Oregon's hands and their matchup of what they can do 
up front. This Colorado front seven, it is no secret. Coach Prime knows it. We know it. We're all on the same page here. The issue for Colorado to this point in the year has been on the defensive side of the football. In that front seven, they have allowed over 200 yards rushing two of the three games they've played against TCU and against Nebraska. It's not great. That has to, in some way, shape, or form, be remedied. And when I say remedied, I don't mean be fixed. I don't mean a non-factor. I mean, can your defensive coordinator, can Charles Kelly, dial it up and cause some confusion for Oregon and throw something exotic into the mix there that Oregon hasn't seen before and forces them out of whack? Because the way that it feels for me in this game, I think for Colorado to win, they have to find a way to force turnovers and get more ammunition for Shadur Sanders in that offense. Because if not, man, Oregon, they have an all Pac-12 running back, in my opinion, in Bucky Irving. And I think that what they have up front could just take the air out of the football game. Even though that's not what Oregon historically has been with this offense, I think you could see them do what Colorado State did and just dink and dunk, play underneath. If they want to, hold the ball and keep Shador Sanders on the sideline. Now, I also think if you're Oregon, they might try and do exactly what I just said Colorado is going to try and do. And that is start fast, put pressure on you, and just try and bury you early. Because if Oregon gets up and they get up 10-0, and Colorado's the team that has to answer, if Colorado has that figure it out, period, the run game of Oregon is good enough, and the clock rules right now, quite frankly, operate in such a way that would favor Oregon's trench play and their running back play tremendously. So if they get leverage, it's going to be very difficult for Colorado to climb back out of it like they did against Colorado State. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm saying that's not a world you want to find yourself in if you're Colorado because it favors Oregon in every facet of that situation. Now, here's the thing that might be the headline across the board here when people are talking about this game. The quarterback duel between Shadour Sanders and Bo Nix. Both guys getting Heisman buzz that is absolutely deserved. But this game for them, it may not be about stats. Like, do not be surprised if the winning quarterback has 300, 275, two touchdowns, no picks. Now, if you're, if you're Shadour Sanders, that number may need to be a little bit different because of how often they're going to throw the football. But what I'm saying is the quarterback with the better stat line may not win this football game. I think for this one, it's going to be all about being timely, being efficient, and not turning the football over. Cannot stress that enough. It's cliche. It's coach speak. Hey, don't turn the football over. Hey, it's hard to win when you don't win the turnover battle. We hear that a lot. We understand that. But in this game, especially with both these offenses being so dynamic and being able to score points in bunches, you guard against those kinds of runs against your defense by holding on to the football and not spotting them an extra possession or two. Again, I think that's more critical for a team like Oregon to, to get leverage and maintain leverage in that way. But if you're Colorado, man, like I was just saying, you cannot give it away multiple times. You cannot have a situation for Shadour Sanders where he throws two interceptions and then Oregon gets to run the football, put together longer drives, keep you on the field. And wouldn't you know it, you get the ball back, but you have like two minutes to go in that quarter and you got to work quickly now and play catch up. Not a way you want to live. I also think within that same vein, especially for Colorado, if they're going to win this football game, a scenario that's out there for them is Shadur Sanders putting on the cape, saying no Travis Hunter, no problem. 
You look under that number two jersey, there's a big old S on his chest, and he just goes takeover mode. Like that, That's a certain factor in this game that I don't know we can account for when we break it down right now. Like There's nothing super analytical about it. It's just like, hey, the if factor for him, not the it factor, he's got that too, but the if factor, if Shadur Sanders just takes over this game, that would be a way that Colorado could shock the entire country and take down Oregon and Autzen. So keep an eye on that. For Bo Nix, I think it's more about playing within the system and being able to get it to playmakers. And he'll put up good numbers if he does that. Bo Nix, it's funny how we're talking about him in this game. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. He doesn't need to have the better stat line to win this game. All right? Both guys have to be efficient, have to be timely. And when it comes to first and second down, got to put them in position to be successful and keep drives alive. You don't want to get out of rhythm in this game because it very much so could be a track meet. So I think no Travis Hunter for Colorado really hurts. A lot of people are saying this, but we'll kind of echo the sentiment. It's like losing two football players. You're starting corner, starting wide receiver, and if not the best player on your football team, arguably the most impactful player on your football team. I think most people would agree he is the best player on their football team up there with Shadour Sanders. That hurts Colorado. And Oregon... I think they watched the tape against Colorado State for Colorado and saw the way that that Colorado State defensive line just absolutely got after Shadur Sanders. Now, they won the football game to Colorado. Shadur Sanders, like we talked about, went just Avengers mode, especially in that two-minute drill to end the game and force overtime, and like that was that. But I think they're going to be a different beast than what Colorado State was against Colorado. I think that pass rush is going to give them issues. I think the trench play of Oregon is going to give Colorado issues. And I think that this is the most talented roster that Colorado has had to play against so far. I think this spot in general, with it being on the road in a raucous environment like Autzen Stadium, going to be a difficult task for this team. So we like Colorado to cover that 21-point spread, but we think Oregon wins this football game. Final score, Oregon 42, Colorado 31. Now, I can already hear the, the comment section. I can already hear it. This video isn't even clipped and out yet, but I can already hear it. Hater, hater, hating on Coach Prime, hating on Colorado. Nobody's hating on Coach Prime here. We're, we're picking a football game. So that's first of all. Second of all, two things can be true. You can be enormously impressed with Colorado. And I'll, I'll say this too. I was wrong about Colorado in the preseason and what they've been to this point. But you can also say that's incredible. You cannot overstate the impressive nature of that, but also they may not be a top-tier Pac-12 team just yet. Now, if they beat Oregon, Mike drop VN, they are that kind of top-tier Pac-12 team, and we'll talk about that on Sunday. But for me, I think Oregon, too much talent across the board. I trust Bo Nix too much, and I think Oregon continues to prove that they are who we think they are, like I said at the top of this prediction. So we like Oregon to win, Colorado to cover, going to be a lot of fun to watch that one unfold and to watch two of the best quarterbacks in the country get after it. Man, they're not going to they're not going to be uh the good people in coach prime country that have stood by Colorado to this point will not be uh big fans of that one, but hey, we just pick football games, man. And if you want to be upset, be upset at Vegas cuz they got them as three touchdown dogs. So, it is what it is. Another team that's a touchdown dog, but they're going on the road, is Ole Miss going to Alabama. Alabama favored by seven points. This is a 3.30 Eastern kick on CBS. 
How about that? You can kind of already hear the SEC theme music. Just kind of feels criminal that that's going to be Big Ten music here soon. Like toothpaste and orange juice. Anyway, for Alabama, it is gut check time, man. We were at that game in Tuscaloosa. Saw Alabama. Looked good, but not good enough to beat Texas. And then they go on the road and play USF in a weird game, to be honest with you. No Jalen Milrow in that game. See Tyler Buckner go out there and struggle. See Ty Simpson go out there and struggle. We find out yesterday, Jalen Milrow is your quarterback going forward. And I think everyone in the Alabama circle was like, okay, yes, good. Now what? Well, now it's gut check time. Like I was just saying, now you play SEC opponents. The figure it out phase for Alabama, there's an hourglass going. And there's only a few grains of sand left in that hourglass. Got to have it figured out, or at least a version of figured out against this Ole Miss team. And for Ole Miss, man, like there's a feeling right now in in Oxford with Lane Kiffin and with that whole operation, like if you're going to beat Nick Saban, if you're going to beat Alabama, the time is now. They don't have a super solid situation at quarterback. Nobody that scares you like a Bryce Young would have or a Tua Tagovailoa would have. We're not sure about what they are internally. Had Had a players only meeting and Sounds like some guys got things off their chest, like a whole just kind of weird storylines around Bama that we haven't really heard of around there in quite some time. If you're going to get them right now, feels like it would be the time. Short of it being in Oxford, this one's on the road, everything is favoring Ole Miss in a world or a scenario rather that you would like to map out for them to win this football game. So are they going to do it? Well, let's, let's pick it right now. We'll talk about it. I think the big thing that we're all wondering is what does this offense look like now going back to Jalen Milrow? Didn't look great last weekend against USF. I think that goes without saying. There were people watching that football game saying, just just put Jalen Milrow in the football game. Just, okay, we've seen enough. Put him back in the game. We're sorry we got upset about those two interceptions. We're sorry about that. Put Jalen Milrow in the football game. And there was probably a small portion of the fan base also saying, put Dylan Lonergan in. And for those that did that, we love y'all. We appreciate y'all. But this is Jalen Monroe's offense going forward. But that's kind of the question, right? Is it the Alabama offense? Or is it the Jalen Milrow offense? Because if it's the Alabama offense, I think you can expect to see a version of what you saw against Texas. See some good plays. See some flash plays from Jalen Milrow. But you also put Jalen Milrow in positions to do things he's not 110% comfortable doing and probably lead to a turnover or two. Pete Golding, former DC at Alabama, is the DC for Ole Miss in this football game. You don't think he's got something dialed up for this one? You don't think he's got maybe a little bit of an extra edge with motivation in this football game to beat his former school? I promise you he does. He'll he'll have his A game. I promise you. They'll be ready. But if it's the Jalen Milrow offense, if we're playing to number four strengths, Then we kind of just edit down the menu. We let Jayla Milrow cook. What do you like to do? You like this kind of quick game? You like these kind of pass concepts? Cool. We'll live with those. Oh, by the way, also, heavy dose of quarterback run game. Heavy dose of quarterback run game. And I feel this way, and I've said this a couple times on this show. I still don't know that we have seen Jayla Milrow's best. And the reason why I say that, I don't think we've seen an offense called specifically for Jalen Milrow. We saw him play last year in Bryce Young's offense. We saw him play against Texas in an offense that I think was the Alabama offense, not the Jalen Milrow offense. Let's call it for number four. 
you got a wild horse back there playing quarterback. Don't put a saddle on him. Let him run. Let him be special. Think about it this way, and this is sort of a little bit too hypothetical for this conversation, but we're going to jump into it anyway. If you had Jalen Milrow on Kansas State's football team playing in that offense, he'd put up ridiculous numbers. I'm not saying that's the formula to win this football game is Kansas State's offense. I'm just saying let him play to his strengths and let's not hamstring him by trying to make him the quarterback that we want him to be. Let him throw what he's comfortable with. Let him run what he's comfortable with. And let's not try and get too outside the lines here. Okay? Now, there's more within that too because this game is going to be a line of scrimmage special. We'll talk more about Bama in a second, but I think for Ole Miss, like, Kind of a similar philosophy in some ways. They want to run the football. Quinshawn Judkins, a little bit dinged up. Sounds like it's a pain tolerance thing. He's going to give it a go. He is, when healthy, and maybe even when he's not healthy, the best player in this football game. They want to pound the rock. They want to force the issue. And the question in this game, the matchup we got to watch here for Alabama, defending the run how honest are you able to be in doing that? And when I say honest, do you have to cheat and add some extra guys into the box? Do you have to have Malachi Moore play a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage? And we say, okay, we're adding some numbers in here because Quinshawn Judkins has had some success. Because make no mistake, if they have to add numbers into the box, that means that Quinshawn Judkins has done some damage early. And when they add numbers into the box, here is the million-dollar question. This will dictate what kind of atmosphere you return to in Oxford, Mississippi when this game ends, if you're an Ole Miss football player or an Ole Miss fan. Can Jackson Dart make you pay? Period, mic drop, the end. Can Jackson Dart be the one to make Alabama pay for having their hand in the cookie jar because they're tired of tackling Ulysses Bentley and tired of tackling Quinshaw Junkins at like four yards of carry? Can you make them pay? Also, can Jordan Watkins... Be that guy that wins one-on-one. -on -one. That's the playmaker I'm watching for Ole Miss. Had a good game against Georgia Tech. Bama, they're going to leave Kool-Aid McKinstry out there. They've shown they're just fine doing that. They will play man up. They like their DBs. Sometimes to a fault, based on what happened against Texas, they're going to bet on their guys. Can Jordan Watkins win a percentage enough of those matchups to cash in, and can Jackson Dart make them pay and deliver? Now, the pass rush for Alabama is going to play a big factor in that. I expect Dallas Turner to play with bad intentions in this game, as well as the rest of that Alabama defensive front. So could be a sped-up shot clock. But if Jackson Dart can make them pay, the first ingredient is the, is the run game working how it's supposed to work if you're Ole Miss. But if Jackson Dart can make them pay, things will get very interesting and potentially very quiet in that stadium in Bryant-Denny. So that'll be a lot of fun to watch. But that is an enormous question when it comes to the, the result of this game. If it's Darty season in Oxford, Mississippi... It'll be because it was Darty season in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, right around 3.30 Eastern on CBS. All right. Now, to flip the script on that one, I told you we'd come back to Bama. Here we are. Can Alabama execute the philosophy that we've talked about for all offseason? Going into the Texas game, we talked about it. Going into game one, we talked about it for Bama. As soon as they hired Tommy Reese, we started talking about it. And we understand what that philosophy is. It is pounding the rock. It is Alabama the offensive line being the engine of the offense and having that joyless murder ball mentality that everybody seems to be talking about on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call that app right now. That is kind of the slogan, the headline, all that. Being able to play with that kind of bad intentions. 
Because Jalen Milrow now, as much as there has been talk around the quarterback position and getting it right, like that still shouldn't matter to the degree that we're talking about because of what the offensive line should be doing, because of what the run game should be doing. Now notice, I'm saying the word should, not had, not did. It's all conceptual. It's all theoretical. It's all hypothetical because we haven't seen it to the degree that we anticipated we would right now. We haven't seen that offensive line just take over a game just yet. Yeah, they had five yards of carry against USF. Yeah, they had 200 yards rushing. It's, it's USF. You should do that, quite frankly. But also, you did not score at the clip and finish at the clip that is expected in Tuscaloosa and expected of that offensive line unit. I know they were dinged up. I know they got their own issues. But in this game, there will be no margin for that kind of error. Because I wholeheartedly believe with Lane Kiffin, and the way that he is going to swing for the fence in this football game offensively, you will have to control the line of scrimmage, have to control the tempo of the game, limit their possessions, and be able to dominate how we've expected them to dominate really since this whole thing got rolling unofficially at SEC Media Day. All right? The offensive line now, you are the engine of the car. If you've watched this show for any length of time, you're sick of hearing me say that. They are the engine. Period. Mic drop. The end. A lot of mic drops, a lot of periods, a lot of the ends in this breakdown there's a reason for that it is gut check time in Tuscaloosa so I think Jalen Milrow does actually give this offense some real juice like I think his second go at this being the starting quarterback I think he takes advantage of that I do think they manage it a little bit differently is it exactly what you hoped it would be offensively for them I don't know that you come out of this game feeling that way but I think that that Alabama front seven will ultimately put the game on Jackson Dart. I think they will probably have a little bit of an issue early with Quinshawn Judkins, but when it comes time for that gut check time in the third quarter, they'll be able to limit that run game enough, get after Jackson Dart, and force him into either a sped-up shot clock or they'll just get to him, period. So either they have some mistakes or they're able to, and when I say mistakes, they force Jackson Dart into some mistakes or they get to the quarterback, and that's kind of the way that that whole thing goes. Listen, man, for Alabama, until I see a body, until I see a lifeless Alabama laying there with my own eyes, I do not believe they're dead. It's kind of like the movies. Like, you always see these characters just sort of disappear into the abyss, like Lord of the Rings is this way. For all my Lord of the Rings nerds out there, Gandalf falls off the cliff, but you never actually see a dead Gandalf. I haven't seen a dead Alabama. I don't see it. I see a one-loss Alabama. I see a Bama that looked bad against USF. I saw a Bama that had real issues against Texas and probably has to figure it out if they want to beat a team like that in the college football playoff. But I don't see a dead Bama yet. And until I see that, I can't pick against them in Bryant-Denny. I think Ole Miss gives them all they can handle. I think Ole Miss covers the spread. I think it's back and forth. I think it is trading punches. I think Jalen Milrow does make enough plays. I think this Alabama offensive line does show a new pep in their step. I think Alabama wins this game. I think Ole Miss covers, but I think Alabama wins this football game 34-31. to 31. What does that mean now for Nick Saban and company? Does it mean that they're safe? Does it mean that they're going to be a team that goes on a run now and, and makes the college football playoff? I don't know, but it means they live to fight another day. They live to fight another game with college football playoff and SEC title implications another week and they get a, a longer runway now to figure it out now for Ole Miss it's that same disappointing flavor in their mouth the one they felt last year in Oxford close but no cigar 
and now what's been communicated to me, I don't know if we agree with this wholeheartedly yet. What's been communicated to me is there would be a lot of eyeballs and a lot of conversations that are then had around Lane Kiffin. Now, I'm not buying into that just yet. I think that feels a little bit premature based on what he's done there, but it would obviously be disappointing and it would be frustrating because this feels like the time for Ole Miss to do it. Now, if Ole Miss does it, conversation changes and there's a lot to be made about Ole Miss going forward and about what they are in the SEC West. But at the end of the day, again, we got Bama winning this football game, Ole Miss covering, going to be a movie in Bryant-Denny Stadium. Gut check time for the Crimson Tide. Kind of has that gut check feel to it across the board, man. I'm telling you, like, this upcoming Saturday, it's fakes get exposed Saturday. And when I say fakes get exposed, I don't mean you're not a good football team if you lose, but we are really going to start to have the cream rise to the top. Week four now, we're about a third through the season. How, how depressing is that? We are, we are a third of the way through the college football season. Felt like just last week we were out here tweeting pictures of Calvin Johnson in the number 21 jersey at Georgia Tech and saying, man, 21 days till CFB. That was kind of the sentiment. Let's cherish this. Let's soak it in. Let's really like just take this for all it's worth. Let's link arms. Let's make sure we have the college football season that we want to have right now. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you like the video. Y'all that are tuned in, we love y'all, man. I'm so, so excited for this upcoming weekend. We've got another game to break down here, but I just wanted to make sure y'all knew that, man. Y'all tuning into this show and making this a part of your week and making this a part of your college football consumption for the week means a lot. means a lot, and we do not take that for granted. Feel very lucky, feel very grateful to get to do this with y'all. Again, I did not say... For y'all, I meant with y'all, because this is a we, us, ours kind of operation. All right, I'll try and uh, not get too sentimental here as we got another game to break down. We got Ohio State, three and a half point favorites going on the road now to South Bend, Indiana and playing Notre Dame. Sam Hartman, I said at the top of this live show, he's grown out the flow for a game like this, got the beard for a game like this, came to Notre Dame for a game like this polish up the Golden Dome a little bit for this kind of game. Touchdown, Jesus. We'll be looking immaculate, overlooking Notre Dame Stadium, Ohio State now. It's kind of that litmus test for them. We've talked a lot about the quarterback battle, and now Kyle McCord's the guy, and they drop 63 on the Western Kentucky fighting Nick Brakes. But even so, now this is the test for them. We'll break it down here in a second. Make sure you're subscribed to this On3 YouTube channel. We talk college football and only college football every single day. We love this sport with every fiber of our being, just like you. Fall Saturdays, man, nothing better. If every Saturday were a fall Saturday, every single issue in the world would more or less be resolved. My humble opinion. Now, make sure you're locked in also on the socials, at J.D. Paquel on Twitter, or X, whatever you call that now, and on Instagram, at J.D. Paquel. We do a little uh, Q&A over there. We give you out our gambling picks over there. So be locked in on both those channels to keep up with the entirety of the content that we do here on the hard count. All right, enough of that. Like I was saying, Ohio State, first real test, man. The standard is the standard. You want to play for the college football playoff? You want to be that team that returns the Buckeyes back to former glory? Starts with a game like this. It's not a Big Ten game, but even so, the implications of this on what they want to do later in the season are massive. Same thing for Notre Dame now. The thing with them is, this is their proving ground. Marcus Freeman didn't have to go get Sam Hartman out of the portal. He had Tyler Buckner, his starting quarterback from a season ago, coming back, and he says, nope, what do we do here? 
what's written on the t-shirt here, what's our mantra now with me as the head coach, we challenge everything. We're challenging who our quarterback's going to be. Sam Hartman, get you a jersey, get you a helmet. May the best man win. Sam Hartman, of course, did end up winning the job, and it feels like a very different Notre Dame team now. There's a reason why some people are looking at that number and saying Ohio State minus three and a half, really? Okay. Notre Dame's at home, but okay. It is what it is. If Notre Dame wins this football game, that would legitimize all of the hype, all of the talk around Sam Hartman, around Marcus Freeman, and what they've done to this point in the year. Their best win right now for Notre Dame is NC State. No knock on NC State, but they're not Ohio State. So we'll find out a lot about both teams in this one. Ohio State now breaking a new quarterback. They've broken him in now for a few weeks. How does he look in this game? I want to go back to Sam Hartman here really quick, though, because the matchup for me is Sam Hartman and this cat and mouse game against Ohio State's defensive coordinator, Jim Knowles. Jim Knowles, Cornell grad, so shout out Jim Knowles. But th- this is kind of a, a two-fold concept I want to walk through here. How much pressure does Jim Knowles allow the Ohio State defense to put on Sam Hartman? And when I say pressure, like I said, twofold. The first is obviously like the literal pressure. Like, do we get to the quarterback? Do we force him to be uncomfortable? Do we collapse that pocket? All those great cliches. We dial it up. Jim Knowles is known as like the mad hatter, the mad scientist rather of defensive football at the collegiate level. He's going to have something cooked up for this game. It's confusing. It's counterintuitive. It's hard to look at if you're a quarterback. It's a rule breaker. Do they get to confuse Sam Hartman and put pressure on him throwing the football? Now, the second part of that, the second layer of that pressure, do they put pressure on Sam Hartman to be the guy to win the football game? Do they take away the balance that Notre Dame has thrived on to this point in the year? Audrey Estime, bad man running the football. He's got shoulder pads, not sure what size they are, but he uses every single square inch of those bad boys when he gets downhill, tough to tackle, has looked great to this point in the year. If they can limit his effectiveness in this football game and put it on Sam Hartman, yes, you put it on Sam Hartman to be the guy to beat you, which is kind of a conversation in itself, but even more so, that pressure then shifts to that wide receiver room at Notre Dame. And they've looked good so far. Tobias Merriweather, like what you saw from him, Jaden Greathouse. He's looked great house. I mean, he's looked great to this point in the year, true to his last name. You want to make those guys prove that they are for real. Because it's one thing to do against NC State, one thing to do it against Navy. Can you do it against the secondary at Ohio State? And now to be fair for Ohio State, they've had their own question marks. There's a reason they went to the portal the way they did. This will be a really great test for them. But Ohio State, they want to make Notre Dame as unbalanced as possible. Now, here's something to watch for in this game. I just have a funny feeling by the way that Notre Dame operates and by the spot that they're in, home crowd behind them. They've been a team that's been fairly physical up front. Joe Alt's going to make millions and millions of dollars being an offensive lineman in the NFL and what they have up front. They like it a lot. I would not be surprised in the slightest if in that first quarter, We see Sam Hartman and that luscious locks and beautiful beard drop back to pass, and they throw to open up the run game. Because I think Ohio State is expecting them to run the football. I think Marcus Freeman knows that. I think Sam Hartman knows that. I would not be surprised if we saw them in that first and second drive kind of spread it out, go shotgun, throw it around the yard, soften up that defense, kind of make them mellow out just a little bit, and then they go to running the football. Don't be surprised if they kind of zig when we expect them to zag in this football game. So Ohio State and the pressure they create on that, 
will be crucial in how that whole thing shakes out. Now, on the flip side, the quarterback storylines are not in short supply in this football game. Kyle McCord is now the guy. He's no longer driving the rental Ferrari. He is the proud owner of this Ohio State Ferrari offense and operated how we expected him to, operated how we expect this whole thing to look against Western Kentucky, scored 63 points. Marvin Harrison Jr., I say it on this show a lot. If you're new, he's the alien that the government has been hiding from us, just in plain sight, wearing the number 18 jersey for Ohio State, and he has been a dog all season long for them. I expect him to be a dog all season long for them. Again, talk about making millions of dollars in the NFL. Marvin Harrison Jr., probably a top five, top three pick. Emeka Egbuka also looked good against Western Kentucky, caught two touchdowns, I believe, of the three that Kyle McCord threw. Can you mix up the picture for Kyle McCord if you're Notre Dame? Because, yes, Kyle McCord's waited. His turn at Ohio State looked great last week. Looked great last week at home for Ohio State, but that was at home. This is now a very different spot for him. This will be the most impactful start of his entire career, his short starting career at Ohio State. And Marcus Freeman and Al Golden, I promise you, the defensive coordinator for Notre Dame, that is, Al Golden, and Marcus Freeman obviously being a defensive mind, having previously been a defensive coordinator at Cincinnati. They're going to get on their breaking bad this week in the lab. They're going to be like Walter White and Jesse Pinkman. They're going to kind of cook something up for Kyle McCord and try to confuse him as much as possible and give him some tricky pictures to look at early in this football game. Because I promise you, it'll be loud. It'll be electric environment. 7.30 Eastern NBC. Like it, it, It'll be rocking now. For Kyle McCord, having the steady hands in this one, being poised, will be crucial. Marcus Freeman and Al Golden will do all that they possibly can to make it confusing for him in this spot. Now, when it gets confusing, here's something to watch for. I promise you there will be a portion of this game where Brian Hartline, Ryan Day, try and get their quarterback into a rhythm and ease him into this game. And what does that typically look like? It looks like quick game. It looks like catch, rock, throw. Catch, three-step drop, out to Marvin Harrison Jr. Catch, hitch to Cade Stover. Whatever it looks like, it'll be a version of that. And so the, the interesting thing here will be, one, can Notre Dame get him out of rhythm there and disrupt that quick game kind of phase so he doesn't get comfortable? That's the first part. The potentially more impactful part of that and something that will stretch throughout this game is Notre Dame playing in space against the Ohio State playmakers. We've talked about him already in this breakdown. Marvin Harrison Jr., you don't want to see him one-on-one -on -one in the alley. Like, that's not something you want to do if you're a DB. You catch him on the sideline, and it's like, man, we're in the alleyway now. It's hard to, hard to tackle him one-on-one. -on -one. Same thing with Emeka Egbuka. Just slippery. There's a reason why these wide receivers are as highly touted as they are when they go to Ohio State and why they do what they do when they get to Ohio State. So what they want to do is they want to funnel everything back to the middle of that defense. Hold on for dear life. Push them back towards the Calvary and just have a, a swarm of fighting Irish defenders. That's going to be key for them. But Ohio State, like I was just saying, they want to get on the perimeter. They want to get out and break contain. They love outside zone at Ohio State. Trevian Henderson scored on an outside zone touchdown run for Western, uh, against Western Kentucky, rather. Like, that, that is kind of the game they want to play. Get out in space, get out in the open, and let our horses run. Can Notre Dame solidify the edges of that defense? and kind of put the walls up and force them back into the middle, that will be crucial to being able to limit the explosive nature and the explosive potential of what this offense has for Ohio State. Because that's kind of the trick now. Anytime you try and be confusing as a defense, typically 
There's a little bit of real estate behind you if you're going to dial up a pressure, if you're going to be confusing with how you rock and roll the safeties. There is a higher percentage chance of the quarterback to discover what you're not doing well. So keep an eye on that. Very, very important for Notre Dame to be sound on the back end and to tackle in space. Really all game long, but especially early. So Kyle McCord does not get into a rhythm. Interesting part of this whole game for me. Going into the season, the way we talked about the Ohio State offense with how explosive we thought they could be, how potent we thought they could be, how balanced we thought they could be, that's kind of the, the, the situation we're facing now when we talk about the Notre Dame offense. Like Sam Hartman has got that whole thing rolling. And the way that you felt about Notre Dame going into this game last year is very different than how you feel about them going into this game this year. Like if it becomes a track meet, I think Notre Dame has got their shoes tied tight and their spikes locked in. They say, okay, how far are we going? What kind of race you want to run? If it's a track meet, we like our odds in this one too. And the concern for me, there's no shortage of weapons for Ohio State, but the consistency from them. I know we talked about it now being the, the ownership of the offense for Kyle McCord, but still didn't look great against Indiana. He looked good the next game for them. I believe it was against another opponent that wasn't power five. It was a power. It was a group of five opponent and they're escaping me at the moment in terms of who it was, but like they haven't looked phenomenal to this point in the year outside of that Western Kentucky game. So for Ohio state, the inconsistency makes me a touch nervous and if there's any inconsistency at all for them in this game, I think Notre Dame will take advantage of it, especially with it being in South Bend. So I'll say this again. I think this is a new Notre Dame team under Marcus Freeman. I think the brand that the Fighting Irish football operation is right now is very different than what we've seen in the past. This is not your Rudy's Notre Dame football team. The matchup that could change the complexion of this game is Cam Hart, the cornerback for Notre Dame on Marvin Harrison Jr., if Cam Hart can do enough, and I, don't mean, I do not mean stop. He's not going to stop Marvin Harrison Jr. If he can do enough to where Marvin Harrison Jr. doesn't just take over this game, I think Notre Dame's going to win. I think it's close. A lot of close football games this Saturday. A lot of close football games this Saturday. But I think Notre Dame not only wins or not only covers. That was going to be a cool line. Oh, well. I, thought, I think Notre Dame not only covers but wins this football game. Final score, Notre Dame 33 Ohio State, 30. Marcus Freeman and his approach to challenge everything pays dividends in this football game because Sam Hartman will have a very good game. We'll have a stat line somewhere around 270 to 300, probably throw right around two to three touchdowns. And the balance they bring and the new aggressive nature of this offense is what allows them to win a game like this that they could not have won a year ago without Sam Hartman on this roster. Notre Dame, legitimizes the hype, proves they are for real, and they beat Ohio State and make a statement to the entire college football landscape on Saturday night. Man, such a high-impact game, not just for the, the college football playoff race, but, I mean, for Ohio State and, and for what they have expected since it hit triple zeros last year in Columbus when they lost to Michigan, like, it's not right, and we don't agree with it, but I do think the noise in, in Columbus, Ohio will be unreasonable around Ryan Day. Again, we, we are Ryan Day stands on this show. I don't know a better coach for Ohio State than Ryan Day, but just by nature of the overreaction, 
of what the college football public will be if they drop this game. It'll be, well, what's Ryan Day doing? Losing to a second-year head coach? A transfer quarterback? We got all this talent on the offense. Like, what are we doing? Do not buy into it. It's an overreaction. Watch it like it's going down the river. Just watch it float on by. Keep a good thing going. Appreciate y'all being tuned in live, man. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're a part of this whole program operation. We have a lot of y'all that are tuned in for the first time. We're so glad to have you here. About to get to some of y'all's questions, thoughts, concerns here in just a short minute. And who better to break it all down than the keeper of the queue, the heavy lifter, Nick Brake. Nick, how we doing, big dog? What's up, JD? How we doing, man? You doing good? Dude, I'm doing pretty good. Looking Uh, good. Just uh, looking through these comments. There's a lot of them. Uh, get your hashtag AskJD or <laughs> the new one, hashtag TellJD. Yeah, that's good, too. Uh, Tell me, ask something me. something to say. Uh, Troy has something to say. JD says the season has been so unpredictable, and the reason for saying so is I uh, mentioned Western Kentucky, my boys. Uh, he says South Florida team beat, gave Alabama absolute crap, was blown out by WKU, who was blown out by Ohio State. The season's unpredictable. I think WKU is just inconsistent, JD. I mean, they got some guys now. <laughs> Corley. You got Austin Reed. Like, they got some guys that are going to play on Sundays, Nick. They got some dudes. They'll be on, they'll they be some on practice squads. You, you think so? Pre- Austin Reed will get drafted. Austin Reed will be on. Yeah, he'll be Corley's drafted. putting so up numbers. I. I mean, yeah, Malachi Corley will be, too. They'll be later round guys, no? Yeah. Um, I think so, maybe. Uh, J.D., let's get, let's get to some questions. Love um, Sean says, J.D., are Miami an actual threat to win the ACC, or was it the win over A&M, just Texas A&M's? very own demise i think they are a threat to win the acc i think that's real i would say if you are iffy on miami being an acc contender i think that's fair i think i can more certainly say that miami is going to be in a position to spoil a lot of people's acc title hopes like that game against florida state now that might be one that we try and get to as well like we'll see what happens here across the college football landscape but i I wholeheartedly believe that miami will be a team that can compete for the ACC, but again, at the very least, they're going to make somebody's path there uh, that much more difficult. Because A and M gets a lot of flack, and it's—I mean, I understand why, but even so, like they have a lot of talent on that roster. So to see to see Miami play the way they did and get it done in the fashion they did, uh, that offense is for real, man. I'll say that much. Offense is for real. Understand, Dawson. Uh, JD, Rocky Top Tom, tell JD. Tennessee can't block and can't tackle. Eight-year-olds are calling the plays. We have a massive discipline problem. UT will be lucky to get go six and six. This is horrible. Rocky Top Tom, man, uh, respect to you, but this was very different than what I was seeing on Thursday. Um, and then the chat, JD, what, what do you have to say about the uh, volunteers? Right man, I, I understand the frustration. You, you lose to Florida in the swamp again, and the offense wasn't clicking. It didn't look how it looked last year. I would be slow to sell the stock on Josh Heupel as a play caller. Like, let's maybe trust the process a little bit more there. Now, the frustration on the offensive line, the frustration tackling, totally fair. The good news is with tackling, that can be corrected. Got to kind of adjust the weekly rhythms in practice. Maybe we throw the pads on and get a little bit more of a thud period in when it would have been whiz. And when I say whiz, I mean whiz is like you're tagging off on the running back and thud is you're wrapping up and actually getting almost to where you would have gone to the ground, but at the very least, you're form-fitting. Do we see more of that in practice for Tennessee? I would hope so. I would hope they clean that up. Now, blocking on the offensive line, that's going to be something that we have to watch with bated breath here because that's something that concerns me more than the play calling that Rocky Top Tom cited or the tackling. Like, 
it's very, very tough to just have the offensive line become fixed in a matter of weeks. Like that's something that we'll get a better sample size for and see how bad the damage really is. But yeah, they, they did not look good on the offensive line. They could not run the football. Now, some of that's credit to Florida with what they have on the front seven. But I think a fair amount of that is, hey, we got to we gotta run the football to make this offense go. If we want to get the explosive shots downfield, we want to see Joe Milton flourish and thrive, like we have to run the football, I think around four yards of carry. So we're going to see. We're going to see. That's, that, that's my concern, though. Fair to be upset. I would temper my uh, tendency to sell any Josh Heupel stock, though, at this point in time. Uh, JD, two more questions. This first one's under the same vein as that one. Uh, how will Florida pan out this year, JD? Hey, it's funny how we're talking about them now, right? Going into the year, it was their five and a half total wins, and they lost to Utah, and they look out of sorts. And I will say this, Nick, we never sold Billy Napier stock on this show. I think a lot of the Florida Gator faithful that watch this show are in lockstep with us there. It was always too early to make any definitive call on what Billy Napier was as a head coach. And right now, I think you look at that game against Tennessee and you bottle it up and you take it to every single recruit and say, one, come be a part of this. This is where we're headed. Two, you make sure that everybody in your locker room, everyone that watches film on that Sunday morning after the game and say, this is who we want to be. This is our brand of football. We run the football. Graham Mertz, you're efficient through the air. Great. Defense, you play solid in the trenches. This is how we win football games. Is it flashy? No. Are we going to get a ton of highlight reel plays out of it? I don't know. Maybe we do. Maybe we don't. But at the end of the day, it is substance. It is effective. And that is who they want to be. That is physical, game control, tempo, all those cliches. That is the approach in 2023 under Billy Napier. Also, when they get Eugene Wilson back, when he's 100% ready to go, dude, he was electric in the early going in that game. Like he was, he was on pace to have a day and a half at the office. So you sprinkle that into the offense as well feel pretty good about things so the over under win total was set right around five and a half for them nick i have a hard time believing they're not going to be one of those football teams that we're talking about when we're doing our uh, our bull pickums. i really do i think they're gonna be a bull team okay last question jd um i think people in the chat know you're a dylan gabriel fan because cole wants to know is dylan gabriel still being slept on is he being slept on yeah he's being slept on probably so but the good news is that alarm is set and wake up is set for right around October 7th in Red River where they play Texas. So Oklahoma, I understand why you're frustrated. Your boy's balling out, right? You're hanging like 70 plus on some teams and nobody's talking about Dylan Gabriel and what he could be in the Heisman conversation. Reason for that being, it's hard to get the attention of the country when you're hanging big numbers on Tulsa and Arkansas State. Now you're saying, well, Caleb Williams is doing that and he's playing San Jose State. Yes, but Caleb Williams did it last year and has some more good faith baked in. So I understand the frustration. I don't think it's unreasonable to have that objection, but I would say if you're buying Dylan Gabriel's stock and concerned why the price is as low as it is right now, don't question. Just keep on buying more of it. Take as much as you can because the resale value on that will be extremely high when it comes to that game against Texas. Should they beat a team like Texas? We're not predicting it right now. We'll break it down when it gets here. But you hear what I'm saying. That is the game where you can plant the flag and say, we told you so about Dylan Gabriel if you're an Oklahoma fan. So be patient. The alarm clock is set. Give it some time. When it comes time to wake up, there will be no more wondering or guessing about Dylan Gabriel. It, it'll be a nationwide thing. Everyone will talk about it. It'll be on a lot of shows. So don't worry about the sleeping factor right now for Dylan Gabriel. He's being slept on. Alarm clock is set.
We'll leave it at that. Nick, heck of a show today, man. I appreciate you, brother. Yeah, man, as I head out, I want to ask you a, a, a question about what people are arguing about in, in the chat. Yeah, bring it on. Um, so it's kind of like the, can you really talk smack about players or teams when you don't play football yourself or whenever you haven't proven yourself, you know? Mm. Um, it's a great question. I think it's a valid question because these, I mean, there are always people like, oh, this guy stinks and that guy stinks. This team's terrible. And then the other people raising an interesting point. Man, where do you get off? How do you get to say that? It's funny. It's funny you ask that because I've thought about that a little bit, especially in media, too. You have people that have never played a down of competitive football. I'm not talking about having played in the SEC. I'm talking about people that, like, never even laced it up and played high school football that have strong opinions on what they're seeing. And so I think it's twofold. I think, one, you can trust your eyes and have an opinion on what you see. I would also say the way that you speak about a certain thing, whether you're a fan, whether you're an analyst, whatever it ends up being, there should be a grain of salt taken with the listener hearing that. There should also be a certain element of conservative nature with how you speak about things if you haven't actually been in certain rooms and had to execute what you're talking about. So those are very broad statements, but what I'm saying is you don't have to have played the sport to have a solid opinion on things, but I think when you start talking about the level of difficulty and certain offenses and certain schemes and blocking and things like that, like when we get to those conversations, I think that deserves a little bit of, hey, tread lightly. And if you're listening to someone that doesn't have that kind of insight on it, I would say feel free to push back. I mean, heck, we didn't play in the SEC. We played college football, but I'm not going to go ahead and speak definitively about what it's like playing in the swamp because I never did it. I can tell you it's hard. I can tell you what my eyes say, and I can see the procedural issues, but I can't tell you without a shadow of a doubt, hey, here's why this happened. Here's why this part of the crowd, that part of the field is hard to play with. Like, it's, it, it's, That's not something I can give you insight on. So beware of people that try to give you insight on that, we talk ball and only ball, and we just kind of trust our eyes, and we trust our experience, and we trust what we've done when it comes to college football and having played the sport. So a lot of elements there, Nick, but uh, that's kind of my, my overarching feel on it. You have any thoughts here? I do not, man, although I do, do know for a fact that um, I do criticize a lot of movies, a lot of you know TV shows, sp athletes, sports teams. I don't have the skills that I've that I'm criticizing other people for not having. Hey, so, that's uh, fair. That's fair. You, you don't have to have done it to have an opinion, I think. But true. I think certain opinions, when you get into the specifics, it's like, hey, that that may not, the price may be a little bit high. You may not have the facilities for that one, big man. To, <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I'm with you, Nick. Certain I, opinions I definitely that. carry he heavier weight uh, and um, others do not in that. It is what it is, man. It's a beautiful yeah. part of it. And it's a beautiful part about why we... Uh, Get to do what we do. But, Nick, I appreciate you, brother. Same time tomorrow? Uh, same time tomorrow, man. I'll be ready to go and get back on the grind. Let's see you then. run it up. Nick Bray, keeper of the queue, heavy lifter extraordinaire, producer of this show, everything that you see here. Listen, man, we love y'all. We love y'all being a part of this. We, us, ours is the rallying cry of this show and kind of how we go about putting together this show. It's college football. It's only college football. It's what you love. It's what we love. And that's pretty much all that happens on this operation. So make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're tuned in tomorrow, giving you our top 10 teams in college football. Also, giving you a little bit of peek at who could be on upset alert. Give you the forecast, if you will, for the weekend when it comes to the upset climate in college football. Hey, we, we love y'all. We appreciate y'all. I'm J.D. Pacal. We're going to keep this party rolling, and we will see y'all next time.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.